Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Forrester CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, and I am joined this week in studio by my colleague Harley Manning, Vice President and Research Director of our Customer Experience Team. Hi, Harley. Hey, Sam. We are joined on the phone by a special guest, Todd Walthall, the Senior Vice President of Customer Experience with Blue Shield of California. Hi, Todd. Hi, Sam. Thanks so much for speaking with us and, as we'll come to, speaking to a large group of customer experience professionals and practitioners next month in New York at our Customer Experience Forum. So first, really wanted to start at the beginning, Todd. How did you get into customer experience in the first place? That's a great question. Uh, I, I'm, I'm proud to tell you that when I started in customer experience, I don't think it was called customer experience. <laughs> it was just good old-fashioned customer service. But I had a chance to go through a, a couple of transformations in uh, the customer experience industry. Like, for example, I was around when call centers turned into kind of the very first websites, and we had to figure out and contemplate how do you serve customers in a, kind of on a website? And then I was also around for that turn when it was now phones and websites and mobile devices. Yeah. And we had to figure out how to make it all work. So now it's customer experience, and I love the challenge of the work. It's still about serving people and understanding their needs. Across all industries, it's really just taken off, and I think it's just the beginning. I, I can't wait to see where it goes next. Yeah, so you come to it from that uh, the customer service perspective and background. I like your point about the fact that it's still about people, even as as you were sort of articulating there, we're putting more screens or more devices or more interfaces in between the customer and the employee. How have you, in your various incarnations of a customer experience or customer service executive, how have you thought about that still trying to bring the human element into the service or the experience that you're delivering? You know, I've always thought about it. I've always tried to put myself in, in our members' shoes, our customers' shoes. And there are a lot of screens. There are a lot of options in front of you these days. And I know that time is valuable, at least kind of my own. I have a family. I have a career. I have my own personal interests. So I'm always trying to fit something in. And I've got to imagine that most people don't want to talk to a financial services company or a health insurance <laughs> company as a part of their busy day. And so I think about that mental model, and I'm glad to see that the practices have just come a long, long way to help us understand where our members are at in terms of their mental model, what information they need, when they're just trying to get a task done, how can we make it simple, easy, and intuitive. And then I put my own lens on top of that to say, hey, if I were in their shoes, would this delight me? And that's always been the mindset in which we've pushed ourselves before we do anything we're always thinking about, okay, but how's the member going to feel about this? Is this exactly what they need, or is it more than what they need? And making sure that our team keeps their interest in mind. So that's it. We kind of use everything <laughs> available to us to make sure that our members have a great experience. Yeah, you're at Blue Shield now, but in prior lives, you've been at uh, American Express and USAA. What prompted the switch from financial services to healthcare? Here's what I will tell you. USAA made just a wonderful impression on me. I spent a lot of years there, and it really introduced me to a mission-focused organization. And there's just so many things that I do in my current job, and even when I uh, was a member of Amex's leadership team, I I tried to bring those practices there because at the end of the day, if you really truly believe that customer experience is about being in service to others, it's a great feeling to know that you can be the best professional by day, but then when you go home at night, you can 
can really feel good about you've helped other people in the process. And so when I met Paul Markovich, our CEO, and he told me about the mission of Blue Shield of California, which is simply stated, to create a healthcare system that's worthy of our family and friends, mm. it really hit home with me. And while I had been in financial services the majority of my career, I wanted to take the risk of coming into healthcare because I knew there was nothing but upside in healthcare when you compared <laughs> the experiences to financial services. So, Todd, this is Harley. Follow up question to that. I mean, obviously, you've got a great customer experience pedigree with uh, USAA and with Amex. Those are just great places to have been from. And what I'm interested in is the why for customer experience for organizations like those is pretty clear. We know that customer experience improves customer loyalty. Now, the question with health insurance is that health insurance customers typically they have little freedom to switch business compared to, say, banking customers or credit card customers. And there also isn't a lot of upsell and cross-sell opportunities. So you probably aren't going to lose your customers with a bad experience, and you can't sell a lot more to them. So what's the why for Blue Shield of California when it comes to investing in customer experience? Yeah, that's a great question, Harley. You know, healthcare is very different than financial services where I came from, where you can cancel your policy if something goes wrong pretty much immediately. But our members do have choices. You have a choice every year to pick a plan. If it's a commercial membership, many large companies offer multiple plan choices. And so we've got to earn it just like everyone else. And we have a very proud position of being number one in California with the Affordable Care Act. And as you know, that's a marketplace where people go and they choose the plan that they're most comfortable with. And we're number one in the market because members have chosen Blue Shield of California on top of others. And so we've got to earn it every day, just like any other industry. However, we typically see that decision at the end of a year instead of in the moment. And so it's important to us to make sure that our members feel as if they're taken care of, we understand them, we're out to earn their trust, and that they stay in the blue family because we want to keep them for a lifetime. We just don't want to keep them from year to year. So let me uh, zero in on that dimension of trust that you had. So your overall customer experience strategy, as I understand it, is to become a trusted advisor to your members. How did you settle on trust as your North Star? That's a great question, and it actually links back to coming from financial services. When I joined Blue Shield of California, CEO Paul Markovich and I put a lot of time into the strategy. We went back and forth and tried to figure out what was the right word, and we landed on trust. We knew that one was going to raise a few eyebrows, and as a matter of fact, the first time I shared the strategy with our senior leadership team, one of the members of the team pointed out that healthcare was a step above tobacco in terms of consumer <laughs> sentiment. So he was like, this financial services guy with all this trust talk, I don't know if he's going to make it. And, uh, and it was a really funny moment. But it was, uh, it was also in that moment that we got to turn it around a bit because trust is an emotion, and it's not going to be rational. You can earn trust. And I love telling the story of Starbucks. When I get off of the train every day coming into San Francisco, there are literally four Starbucks that I can go into. But I always go into the one in which I know the barista Greg behind the counter because when I walk in, he says, Hi, Todd. And he pours a cup of coffee. I'm a regular guy, just a cup of black coffee. He pours a cup of coffee and he's waiting for me when I get to the counter and I walk out the door. I will go to that one. When the line is out the door and around the corner and the other three have no lines whatsoever, by default, I've got a relationship with Greg. He treats me like an individual, and it's kind of a warm feeling when I walk in and he says, hey, how you doing, Todd? So I 
trust in that. And guess what? That's an emotion. It's not rational when there's not lines to the other Starbucks. <laughs> right. yeah. But I go to that one every time. And that's why we landed on trust. And even though we're in healthcare, we our aspiration is to earn the trust of our members and be their trusted advisor. So it's that personal relationship that you get with the trusted advisor, it sounds like. So trust is your most important goal, your North Star, uh, but you have a hierarchy of goals, and trust is at the top of it. What else is in that pyramid? Harley, that's great. Our pyramid, it's reached saturation at Blue Shield of California. I can tell you that Mm. if Mm. I talk to someone and I ask them about our customer experience strategy and they can't tell me about the pyramid, I go, when did you start? Because I know know they're new. I know they're new. Um, And so our pyramid has three levels. The top of it is trust. And the way we think about it is trust is just the outcome. And so there are very little steps Hmm. associated with earning trust other than kind of we got to get the first two steps done correctly. And it's a long haul strategy. And so the, the base of our pyramid is what we call being brilliant at the basics. And I love to say promise made, promise kept. Mm. It is about everything our members expect from us. Do we do it reliably? And for the quantitative people in the organization, do we do it with five nines reliability, good old Six Sigma type of reliability? Because at the end of the day, if we don't deliver on the basic tenets of the relationship that we have with our members, we're never going to earn their trust. The middle of our pyramid is basically creating service worthy of family and friends. Do I treat you as an individual? That's why that Starbucks story is so important. Do I feel like Mm. an individual at Blue Shield of California? And do they know me? Now, that's hard to do because we don't have multiple or daily interactions with our members. But we certainly can remember that, hey, you've been relatively healthy uh, for a long period of time. And now maybe your health is failing. And we want to be more supportive of that. If you've been with Blue Shields California, we could recognize that could be an emotional thing for you, that kind of you're a person of relative health, you're young and invincible, but now you're mm-hmm. dealing with something. We ought to bring that into the conversation and how we treat you. And if we can get those two things right, keep our promises, we can treat you as a person and deal with you on a personal level, then over the long haul, we're going to earn your trust. And that's the whole strategy. Now, this is really interesting to me, and I, I apologize to Sam here because he uh, he's our... Uh, our principal analyst covering uh, culture. So I'm stepping on him a little bit here. But but you keep bringing up uh, this high-touch approach, mm. uh, which immediately means employees. So my understanding is that you actually had to make some changes to employee goals in order to help affect some of this uh, transformation that you've done. And now I'm, I'm seeing why, based on the stories you've been telling. Could you just uh, go into a little bit of what some of those changes were in the employee goals? Uh, well, I have, I've just taken a moment to uh, go back down memory lane because I remember when uh, we, we started talking about all of the new goals we wanted to propose, there were very few nods and a lot of head scratching. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and I will tell you that the biggest thing that people scratched their head on was this notion of outside in. And we, we were going to rate ourselves outside in. When I got here, all the metrics were inside out. How fast do you answer the phone? What's your abandonment rate? How quickly do we get an ID card out the door? Are claims paid accurately? It was all the stuff we do, and we really weren't asking our members, well, how do you feel about the job we're doing for you? And so we basically said all of our metrics are going to be outside in. So the members are going to tell Mm -hmm. us how we're performing. So the first thing we did is after every phone call, there's now a survey. It's a 10-point scale. It's 11 questions, and we want to know basically how well we served hmm. you. 
And what I will tell you is we went to a 10-point scale because the five-point scale we were on previously wasn't good enough, didn't tell us enough about how we were doing so we can actually action on them. So now all of our folks who deal with members directly, they're rated on just that survey. It's just that important. Hmm. And in order to facilitate their success, we said, hey, and this is another head-scratcher when I kind of introduced this one, and um, luckily my CEO supported me. We said, we're going to get rid of average handle time. Yeah. We don't measure our folks on average handle time. Hopefully that's becoming common practice. If it's not, I, I really hope for the sake of just being a consumer, it does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because if we're going to tell you the number one thing we're going to rate your performance on is taking care of members, we're not going to tell you how much time you have to do it in. Right? Right. This is not MacGyver. Right? We're not setting up a challenge here. It's not MacGyver. We want right. you to take care of our members, and we're serious about it. And so that's what we did. That yeah. could be kind of fun, though. You know, here's a Swiss Army knife. Now solve this customer's problem. You have 30 seconds. Yeah, how, how did, they, uh, how did the uh, contact center employees react to that? I'm assuming that they liked it, but was it uh, disorienting? Did it, how hard was it for them to make that pivot? Yeah, it was disorienting, right? It's because... Uh, yeah. Suddenly you're not, you know, you know, and I hate to use the word in trouble, but, you know, you're, suddenly you're not going to get in trouble. No one's going to come talk to you because you, you had a long phone call. It's just going to balance out. And then they had to get really get used to the surveys. The fact that a couple of years ago you just answered the phone and you hung up and that was the end of the interaction with the member. But now it's like, you know, have I done everything to satisfy you? And and, and if they haven't, they're going to see it, right? They're going to see right. it in the survey. It's a different form of accountability. And so what I've found is as we got through that learning curve, we've seen great creativity in terms of hmm. what we can do to help members. That's great. I think what you're articulating there is the fact that it incents employees to sort of switch their brains back on to think of how they can best satisfy the member's need rather than just you know, managing to that very functional, time-oriented goal of average handle time, right? They're trying to read the cues from the, the member on the phone and, and think, what else could I do to make them more satisfied? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, we're in a highly regulated industry. And so you've got regulations on one end. You've got, you know, really connecting with the customer on the other end. And then if we add that element of time, it's almost an impossible task for you to come up with a great outcome. And so when we remove that, they could say, okay, well, I understand the regulations. How can I work within that? I understand what this member needs. And, you know, it's perfectly acceptable to say, can you give me a minute, Mr. or Mrs. Member? Because uh, I, I need to figure something out. Yeah. And that's okay. But if you live and work in a world of average handle time, there's no way someone's <laughs> going to put you on hold to figure out something, right? Right, right. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Right. Because you're seeing your bonus evaporate away. These are all great stuff, and we uh, we expect to, to hear you talk more about this at the forum. What are you working on right now? What's what's next? We are excited about uh, where we're going next. We've doubled down on our, our digital capabilities. A few hmm. years ago, we literally had a hosted website, hosted mobile app, and we had an antiquated phone system, so nothing really connected. We could just kind of check the box to say we offered it. And over the last couple of years, we've invested. So our infrastructure investment was substantial, and I can tell you we've got second-to-none infrastructure. That stuff that I wanted at American Express and USAA, we've got it here. And, hmm. and so... I'm a bit of a kid in a candy store from a technology <laughs> standpoint. <laughs> well, you guys are big. I mean, you probably have a, you know, some, some money to work with. Yeah, we've got about 4 million Californians that we serve. and But there's 38 million people who live in California. So we're gearing up to serve even more Californians reliably. 
But what we're working on next is um, finding ways in which kind of our members could make better choices a, a, mm. around their physicians. And so kind of that huh. guided decision-making that you may need, uh, you know, right now, there's all sorts of different ways that you use to find a physician, right? You could use the good old reliable, hey, anybody have a doctor? Give me the doctor's name. You could give, hey, I work here. I live there. We could use location. But what if we could come up with a better decision-making process for you to make a better match with the physician? Hmm. Uh, we think that would be helpful. We would think that would move us closer to our mission of creating health care worthy of our family and friends. So we're very excited that we are exploring kind of the many different ways in which we can create that experience. That does sound like it would add a lot of value. I know I, uh, I had a changed my primary care physician recently because my uh, one that I'd had for years retired, just retired on me, uh, <laughs> the nerve. Uh, and it was hard. It, w- it was really, I, it, ultimately, uh, uh, my wife and I, because we had the same physician, we uh, just went with recommendation to some friends. It would have been nice to have had some online tools. Yeah. I, well, I moved from New Jersey a couple of years ago. And wow. y- yeah. And big, so big I switch, was, huh? Big switch, right? I've gone through a couple of doctors myself because I just couldn't find something that worked for me. So it's helpful. And then, you know, you also raised a great point, which is something incredibly hard to do. It was eye-opening when I joined um, Healthcare from Financial Services, how hard it is to keep the directory up to date mm. of doctors, yeah. right? If you think about the doctors that move, the doctors that retire, or, you know, Blue Shield of California, we employ several doctors, doctors that just had a career decision and they're no longer practicing. It is incredibly hard to keep the directory up right. to date. And so when we think about a better decision-making experience, man, we have to take a lot into account. And that's why I'm excited about working on it. There's a natural segue from that. You're talking about change, talking about helping people make good decisions. What kind of contingency planning are you doing in the face of the potential change in the health care laws? I mean, that's going to change in some respects, uh, potentially uh, anything from not all that much to everything. Uh, how, how are you thinking about that? Yeah, yeah. so we're doing a lot of thinking. Uh, I, I've got to tell you, <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's a team of people somewhere in this building that have contingency plans lettered A through Z. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, because the truth is we just don't know mm. what's going to come out of Washington, D.C. So we're going to do our best to be prepared for everything. But I think there's one constant that we have. Blue Shields of California, we're mission-focused. That's not going to change. And so the only thing we'll do is wait and see what the changes are out of D.C., and then we'll figure out how to serve that marketplace. So, Todd, you've been at this for a while, as you said, going back all the way before it was called customer experience even. Based on all of your experience and, you know, having ramped up this initiative at Blue Shield, any advice for our listeners for other people in your shoes sort of just starting a customer experience transformation at a large organization? That's a great question. I will say that I'm still using things that I learned at USAA. It's a little bit of a twofer. It's my perspective, but it's also what I know they did at one of the most highly respected organizations around customer experience. And and it's pretty simple. You you take care of your employees. They take care of the members. And then let the financials take care of themselves. And I, I think that's the advice I would give them. Make sure that the people who are making the magic feel supported by the leadership team, feel valued by the leadership team, and they will make magic. They will make magic with members. I saw it at USAA every day, and I'm starting to see it at Blue Shield now. Well, Todd, I can't think of a better note for us to go out on. That's a perfect way to wrap up. We really thank you for joining us on CXCast, 
And listeners, if you liked what you heard, you can come listen and watch Todd speak at our Customer Experience Forum in New York. Todd is speaking on day one, Tuesday, June 20th in the morning. Hopefully it doesn't sound like news to you, Todd, but we'll see you there. And, and thank you uh, thank you so much for joining us on, on this episode. We really appreciate yeah, it. Thanks, Todd. We'll see you in New York. Hey, thank you. See you in New York later this month. Great. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality.